0: I was prepared for the worst. And as far as trail conditions as far as the wet situation and it wasn't that bad. Episode 1001 of Diz Runs Radio is a quick tip episode. Today's quick tip prepare for the worst. Uh, Real quick before we dive into today's episode, today's episode is brought to you by the folks over at Features, who I do have that little affiliate relationship with. Uh, I know I've mentioned it once or twice, I I, I give them a little plug here and there, Um, but uh, the longer I've been running, the more I'm, I don't know, convinced, or the more I definitely believe in the value of a good pair of socks, and all of the Features socks that I have would qualify ...as a good pair of socks. So, you know, if, if you need if you need a new pair, if you're, if you're going to treat yourself for the holidays this year... ...maybe get uh, a couple of uh, new pairs to start off the new year, uh, do so. Don't hesitate. Uh, I'm assuming that they probably have some discount codes. I don't have any of those. But if you want to get some featured socks, which, again, I think they're pretty good... Uh, ...and you want to support the show at the same time, which, you know, I think I would appreciate... Uh, At no additional cost to you, disruns.com slash features, that's F-E-E, see what they did there with feet, F-E-E-T-U-R-E-S, disruns.com slash features, that's just the affiliate link, you pay the exact same price on uh, whatever you get, whatever discount codes you find, and uh, I get a little something something off the top for, uh, sending you there. It's, I mean, it's, it's pennies on the dollar, but Hey, you know, penny, I, I'm not too good for pennies. So, uh, I'll take it. If you're willing to, uh, to kick a little my way, get a little stockings for your stocking, little socks for yourself. Uh, or maybe, you know, the other runners in your life might want some, some good socks as well. Uh, slash features again, F E E T U R E S. So today talking uh, a little bit about something that, uh, I, I, think maybe I kind of always knew or at least somewhere in the back of my head sort of rationalized but really kind of saw it play out at the the ultra that I ran um a couple few weeks ago so if you've been hiding under a rock or you're just new around here or you don't read my emails or all of the above um a couple weeks ago I ran my my longest ultra to date was scheduled as a 45 miler course was a little bit short so it ended up being about 43 and a quarter ish miles uh, maybe 43 and a half i took a wrong turn or more accurately i blew through a well-marked sign a well-marked turn with plenty of signs blew right through it and uh you know didn't realize it for a little while so ended up getting actually i think i ran closest to 45 miles so i think maybe on some sense i won the race um but i ended up with about 44 and a quarter ish miles uh but one way or the other it was, it was a long day. Uh, it was a good day and leading up to the race, just to set the context for those of you that didn't don't read the emails. Cause I talked about it a few times there. Um, there was some concern that it was going to be a pretty swampy, soggy, wet race because of some rain that we had gotten recently. The fact that the race was literally taking place in a state park that is in the green swamp, um, which it's well accurate. It's, it's a swamp. Um, and, and the fact that the race director ended up changing the course uh, from the three three bigger loops to five smaller loops because there were sections of the bigger loop that were, in, in, to use his words, I mean, I didn't see it, so I can't vouch, but his words, knee-deep standing water. Uh, so leading up to this, I was like, daggum, my feet are going to be trashed. You know, nine hours, 10 hours, 11 hours, 12 hours, whatever it's going to take, somewhere in there of slogging through muck and mire and just swampiness and trying to run a little bit with just feet that never have a chance to dry out, shoes, socks that never have a chance to dry out. Uh, it's going to be something. And so I had it very well in my mind that this is going to be not the uh, not the greatest day. Uh, I mean, everything else could go fine, but if, if the feet are bad, that's going to be a problem. I didn't want to have all kinds of feet issues coming out of the race. Um, you know, I was... To, to not oversell it any more than I already have, I was concerned with the well-being of my feet coming going into, during, and coming out of the race. And so I had all the, all the preparations made, right? Like I had multiple, I had four pairs of, of shoes and socks. Uh, I figured that, you know, I could probably run the first two laps with wet shoes, you know, the first 18 miles. But after that, I, I, you know, if it was bad enough, I'd switch shoes every lap, uh, at least dry my feet off and give them a second to air out, put some new shoes on, slather them up with, with toe, toe butter cream or whatever, you know, some type of anti-chafe something or another, um, and just hope for the best. And just hope for the best. I even got some some tape to kind of tape my shoes or my feet up, so that at least those areas there wouldn't be any friction issues with the wet, soft skin. Um, I mean, I was I was I was concerned. Okay, maybe more so concerned than I should have been. However, I think that kind of played into my advantage because then when we got out there on the course or running the first loop, like I kept thinking to myself and not wanting to verbalize it because I didn't want to jinx anything. But like, this is not that bad. Like There were a couple spots where things were a little spongy, um, a couple spots where there was some standing water, and for the most part, you could go around. I think there were maybe, I guess there were a, a couple handfuls of spots where there was some standing water, but you could pretty much go around. You know, just little puddles in the, in the trail. It was like a two-track type of trail, so it was plenty wide. You could get around it, and there were maybe only two spots where really you kind of didn't have much of a choice. You could either trudge right through the middle where it was really wet or you could kind of trudge along the edge, but there was still standing water and your feet got a little bit wet there. But honestly, like par for the course, like not bad. Uh, if I, if I, you know, can, can make that bold proclamation that it really wasn't that bad. And you know, when I finished the first loop and had s- seen the whole course, I was, I was pleasantly surprised with how little water there was, how dry my feet still were. And not that they were dry, but they weren't waterlogged, I wasn't squishing like none of that kind of stuff. like they were a little bit wet from running on wet trails. There was kind of some misty rain that was that was sprinkling down at, at various parts through the day. so like there was a little bit of wet still coming, but no heavy rain like like all in all, from what I was prepared for it the, the trails almost couldn't have been better and as I was running and and you know I'm out there for, for ended up being just over nine hours. Um, might've been only nine hours if I hadn't missed that turn, but that's another, you know, whatever is what it is. Um, but, uh, you know, as I'm running and I'm thinking to myself at various parts along the way, I was like, like, ah, I think there might be something here. I think there might be a quick tip here because I was prepared for the worst. And as far as trail conditions, as far as the wet situation, and it wasn't that bad. However, I think knowing myself and knowing my, my mental weaknesses that are well-documented on the show, if I had gone into the race without any of the, the emails from the race director or any of the concerns and, and running a new trail that I'd never been on before and somehow had the idea that this was going to be a good dry course that I could just run the whole thing and, and you know my feet were going to be fine and not have to worry about wet shoes or anything like that, May, there may be some naivete there, but if if that was the impression that I had going into it, which probably was the impression I would have had had I not gotten those emails from the race director in the in the weeks leading up to the race, it might have been a different story you know i might have I might have kind of caved in a little bit mentally and or at least struggled more with the wet areas and now my feet are wet and I wasn't as prepared and I didn't have all the creams and the, the salves and the the tapes and the, the changes of socks and things like that. Like it may have been worse, probably would have been worse because my expectations were for it to not be as bad. And so as I kept thinking about it again, over the course of 45 miles, um, f- 44 and a quarter, let's not, let's not, uh, overstate. Um, but as I kept thinking about it, I kept going, you know, I think there are other times in my running life, maybe in yours as well, where I went into a situation, maybe not expecting like the best, best case scenario, but certainly not prepared for the worst case scenario. And then if if the this, this situation plays itself out in such a way that, it gets worse somehow than what I had expected. It just makes the mental side of the sport, which again, it's, if you've been running long enough, you know, the mental side of the sport is a pretty key component. I know the mental side of the sport is an area where I'm getting better. Still have work to do. You start throwing mental, mental obstacles, mental hurdles at yourself during a race or even just during any run, but certainly during a race, like that's not ideal right? Like, like you, if you're trying to, to run strong and set, you have time goals or things like that, or or just you, you're trying to, to be successful on the day for your first ever 43 and a half miler that turns into 44 and a quarter. Um, the last thing you want is your brain to start getting in your way at mile 15, right? So the, the, the moral of the story today or, or where I'm going with this is that maybe the best case scenario is to be prepared mentally for the worst case scenario And then if that's what actually shakes out, like you're prepared, you're prepared mentally for this is going to suck, or this is going to be tough, or this is going to be worse than it has been in the past. But if it isn't that bad, or dare I say, if it's actually pretty good, then you get that mental boost of like, well, hell, my feet are pretty dry. Yeah, they're, they're a little bit wet. There's a couple little spongy spots, but it's no big deal. I've run, I've run on worse trail conditions just from dew on the grass. You know, I've had wet, I've had, my feet have been wetter running grassy trails where there's no swamp issues. It's just dew on the grass. This isn't that bad. And now, now not only, you know, like I said, I guess just a minute ago, you get that mental boost and, and that can carry you to having a maybe even better race than what you what you might have had if it was just exactly what you, if you went into it expecting that, you know, XYZ was going to happen and then XYZ actually happened. If you, if you're prepared for worse than that, when XYZ happens, it's eh, it's not that bad. So are there other areas besides just a swampy, ultra trail situation where this might apply. Of course there is. Of course there is. Here are a few, probably not an extensive, exhaustive list. You can probably think of a dozen others, but I think I've got five or six others that, that I think are pretty obvious that will hopefully make my point or at least make it further or belabor it or whatever I tend to do around these parts. So first and foremost, weather, right? Which is kind of related to what I was talking about, but there's lots of lots of times that weather gets the better of folks when it's not, when it's hotter than anticipated or windier or colder or more humid or whatever. It's one thing to, you know, running in Florida, like we know it's going to be hot and humid pretty much eight months a year, nine months a year, and it's it's going to impact our running down here. But there are some days where you, you go out there and you're just like, dag gum, it is brutal out here today. For whatever reason, it's the dew points a little bit higher, the temp, whatever reason, you know, whatever, however that all works out. I feel like the numbers look the same on the weather app, but some days it just gets you a little bit more. But if, especially if you've got a race, you know, maybe you're doing a local, local something, a 5k, 10k, which hopefully you're not doing a whole lot of really longer races when it's that hot and humid in the, in the depths of summer, wherever you live. Um, because then heat becomes, you know, heat issues become more of a factor, but whatever it is, you know, if, if you've got a fall race, a spring race, a winter race, and you're anticipating it to be 30 degrees cause you like it that cold. You're some kind of, you know, crazy person. Not really. I like it chilly too, but I don't like all the, the snow and ice nonsense that comes with it. Another story, another day, but you know, you like it. You, you like it when it's about 40 degrees, which not, not too bad if I do say so myself. But then it ends up being 55 60 at the start and you've been looking at the weather and, and you're seeing that the, you know the, the low is is 37 but the high is is 58 and you're like oh well you know it might be 58 but that'll probably be later in the day once the sun comes up it'll probably be closer to that 37 40 42 but whatever reason it ends up being you know 52 that morning or 55 that morning you've been anticipating that it's going to be in the low 40s now it's 55 and oh god now i'm overdressed and and now i'm um you know like it it starts getting in your head like am i gonna have to change my strategy am i gonna have to adjust my pace am i gonna have to to slow down a little bit because the heat's gonna get to me like all of those types of factors start to come into play because you were you were anticipating cooler weather you got warmer but what if you were going into that same race and looked at the same splits of, you know, 37 to to whatever I said, 61 degrees. And you were like, all right, let's just, let's just be prepared for it to be 61 degrees at the start. What am I going to need clothes wise? What am I going to need hydration wise? What's my race strategy going to be like all of those type of logistics. Then you got there and it was 55 degrees, still warmer than you might like, but Hey, it's not 61 or you get there and it actually is 40 degrees and you're like oh hell yeah you know you've got your windbreakers so you can put that you can put that one little extra thin layer on to keep you a little bit more comfortable waiting for the race to start but like the temps are great you were prepared for for hotter boom good to go and obviously that that plays out on all the different types of weather issues it could be colder it could be rainier it could be windier all those types of things when you're looking at the weather leading up to the race Instead of going, all right, well, there's, there's a 40% chance of rain, but you know, I mean, hopefully that's just not during the, the course of during the, the time that I'll be on the course. And I mean, there's still a 60% chance it's not going to rain anyway. Like, why not just assume, all right? 40% chance of rain. It's probably going to rain. Then if it does, Hey, you're good. You've got the right gear. You were in the right headspace to where the rain doesn't bother you. You're all lubed up. So you don't chafe as bad, etc. etc. And if it doesn't rain, boom, smooth sailing. Like, heh, yeah, it might be a little bit windy, but at least it's not raining. You know what I mean? So prepare for, for the, the worst case forecasted scenario of weather. Then if you get it, you're ready. But if, uh, you know, it's a little bit more conducive to what you would like it to be, better off. Better off. What about hills? You know, when it comes to uh, a, a hilly course, uh, I feel like, you know, just like beauty, uh, hills are in the, the eye of the beholder. Meaning one person's flat is another person's hilly AF, says the guy living in Florida where flat is, uh, is pretty standard around here. And the number of times I've been on a, on a course that markets itself as flat and fast and, uh, it might be mostly flat, but there's almost always a hill somewhere. And typically that hill is in like the last mile or two. Right. Um, but, but if you go into those races that say that they're going to be flat and you look at the profile and yeah, it looks pretty flat. There's a little blip here and there, but you know, I mean, it's, it's life. So yeah, that's going to happen. Um, but if you go into that, just preparing for it to be flat and you get that little hill at mile 24 of your marathon or mile 11 and a half of your half or mile, whatever, five of your 10 K or mile two and two and a quarter of your five K you get that little rise, that little hill. It can, it can really deflate you spoken from experience, but if you go into it going, all right, well, they're saying flat and fast. But there's gonna be a hill somewhere. I know it. There's probably gonna be two or three hills, depending on the length of your race. All right. So I'm gonna to have to do a little bit of climbing. I'm gonna to have to be ready to downshift a little bit. I'm gonna to have to be ready to grind a little bit to get up these hills to still meet reach, you know, reach my goals, to meet my goals. When that happens, because it's almost assuredly gonna happen, that flat, fast course is, is gonna be mostly flat, but there's gonna be a couple spots where it's not. You're not gonna be like, oh shit, what this hill? You just be like, all right, go time grind this hill, come out the other side, keep cruising. All right. Other, other areas. I'll try to not explain them quite as in depth because that's how we end up with 30 minute quick tips logistics. Every race I've, I've run, I feel like has some type of logistical cluster, whether it's the expo, whether it's the starting line, whether it's getting to the starting line, if it's one of those point to point races where you park at the finish and then you got to get shuttled over to the starting line. Um, whether it's road closures and trying to figure that out to try to get to it, like, you know how to get there, but now you can't because this road is closed and you got a detour and like, like there's always a logistical issue somewhere. So again, prepare for it. Be prepared that, you know, maybe you give yourself a little bit of extra time or be prepared that like with your, with your phone loaded up with a couple extra podcasts or just one extra quick tip for me, because that's going to save you, you know, that's going to give you 30 or 40 minutes worth of content to, to go through to keep you occupied while you're, Waiting in lines that are longer than they should be, or, or you know, I mean, again, like it, this happens everywhere. It could be at, at one race where they've got you know packet pickup, and they've got six different lines for whatever you know A through A through you know G last name, et cetera, et cetera, all the way down, and all the lines are empty except the one that you're in, that's got seven people deep. And you're going, can we, you know, figure this out some way? Because just everybody that has the the same letters of last names as you is is there right now. Like those type of things happen all the time at races. So be prepared for it. Don't think you're just going to buzz in and out real quick to packet pickup. It's not going to happen unless it's some really local small race where the packet pickup is at, you know, Joe's Diner or the the local running store where you really can probably get in and out in five or 10 minutes. Uh, If it's any type of bigger race than that, it's going to take you 45 minutes or an hour just plan on that then if it only takes you 30 minutes great but plan for some logistical clustery situations outside of the race itself but just and maybe even the race itself maybe the course maybe there's something like that you know there's a bottleneck or there's too many twists and turns whatever but just plan for some logistical issues at any races other areas other runners you can't control what other runners do and i know i've said this before i'll say it again We've all been the ones that have made errors on, on etiquette or faux pas or done something to someone else, whether it's stopping in front of them, um, you know, bumping them when we're trying to pass, throwing an elbow by, by accident, uh, maybe a little unerrant snot rocket or you know something something along those lines. We've all been on both ends of that scenario. All right? We've been in the receiver, we've been the giver. Sometimes when we're the giver, we don't even realize it, okay? But when you're in a crowded race, whether it's it's a big type of race where there's thousands of people and it takes a while for things to spread out, whether it's a narrow portion of a course where it kind of congests down and you, where you had some some breathing room for a little while and now you're just just you know making some turns through this tight area and it's it's a little bit tighter, um, whatever it is, if if you're in a, a fairly crowded part of the race, and be prepared, anticipate, expect. One of the other runners is going to do something that's going to impact you. Maybe they're a run walker and they, they they don't know the etiquette of like making sure that somebody's not right behind them when it's time to walk. Maybe they they drop something and they don't even think about like, oh shit, I got to I just dropped my my gel. I need to pick that up, and there's people right behind him. Um, you know, maybe maybe they they see an opening. And they're trying to to dodge, you know, to dive into it to to accelerate past some people. And you're kind of moving into that opening at the same time. And y'all just bump into each other. All kinds of things that can happen. More often than not, no one's doing it on purpose. No one's intentionally stopping to to screw you up or anything like that. Um, But if you're prepared for those types of things, if you're on a little bit heightened alert, when you're in those sections of the race or at the beginning, you know, the first mile or two of a race where there's a big corral type of start situation, you can hopefully navigate, those in almost inevitable situations, you know, don't get too close on somebody So that if they do stop, you have a second to, to merge around them, um, or at least always have your head on the swivel for where's the open pocket. So that if, in case something happens, I, I can't move to my right, but I can move to my left or vice versa. All right, just be, be aware, be prepared of something like that, that could happen so that hopefully you can take, you know, it's almost like defensive driving, right? Don't be too tailgating, you know, try to make sure you're in a, a, a spot where you always have a, at least I try to always make sure I have a, a way to get, you know, to dodge, to dip, to dive, uh, I hate being, you know, in between a bunch of cars because if somebody else does something, I can't take evasive maneuvers, same thing in crowded courses with other runners. Last but not least, area you might want to be prepared for the worst or the at least the, the, the potential worst in hopes that you don't need to be that because if you know you don't need to have those preparations in place because things actually go better, would be your race plan or race strategy. All right? I'm a big fan of having a plan for a race, knowing how you want to go about it to, to reach your goals. I also recognize that more often than not, those plans, you know, something happens. There's the the Tyson quote that I've given multiple times that everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. When the race punches you in the uh, metaphorical face, how do you adjust? How do you adapt? When when you go out too fast and now you've got to, you know, you're you're dragging. You've hit the wall. Um, having not that you want to not that you want to anticipate those types of bad things happening, or maybe not bad, but less than ideal things happening. They happen. So do you have a backup plan? You know, if, if your if your A goal is, you know, X, Y, Z time, and you're, you, that means, you know, the, the, use numbers I know. If your A goal is to run a two-hour half marathon, and that means that you have to run, you know, a 9.05, 9.06 pace through the whole thing, um, and then your B goal is, you know, whatever, 2.05, 2.10, something like that. Do you know what those paces are? So that if something happens, if you're struggling, if you're really struggling, and you're like, "Yeah, I, I don't think I can hold on," like I'm going to really blow up if I do that, I need to pony back to my to my two two hundred five two hundred ten pace goal. Do you know if it's nine fifteen? If it's nine thirty? It's nine four. Do you know what pace you need to be at so you can adjust and adapt on the fly? You might want to. Might want to have those those numbers at least in the back of your head, so that you can you can as seamlessly as possible adjust if the race isn't going as as planned. Now if it is going, you're you're good to go. Keep on keeping on. Maybe you get halfway through that half marathon or maybe you're at mile 10 and you're like, "Well, daggum, gum, I'm on pace for that 2-hour mar- half marathon. My legs feel really good. You know, maybe I can push even a little bit more in the last 5k." So you don't even you don't even need any of the the negative, you know, the 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 worst-case scenario times. You might even be able to go farther advanced than that. And then if you have to pull back, you still know that, oh, as long as I just pull back to like nine minute pace, I'm still going to be underneath my two hour a half now because I'm good. So just have some, some contingencies in place of what might happen. Maybe maybe you switch to a run-walk strategy. You know, for my, my ultra, not to always make it about me, but like, it's a good. I think it's a good example. My plan was to run to each aid station which ended up being with the course being adjusted. There were three aid stations that were each about two and a half to three miles apart. So I was going to run to each aid station, you know, get something, get what I needed, whatever, and then walk for about a quarter mile coming out of the aid station, run again to the next aid station. So on and so on repeat in the back of my head. I said, I I know I can make that last for, for 50 K. I know I can make that last for 30 miles or so, assuming my feet are in good shape. Um, but beyond that, like, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to feel. If I'm still on the rails, that's what I'm going to try to keep doing, which thankfully I was able to keep doing all the way through the end of the race. But I had in my head going, all right, well, if it doesn't work, if I'm really starting to struggle, you know, I could switch that down to maybe like a mile and a half to kind of split the split the gap, right? I come out of the first aid station. I've got whatever, less than three miles to the next one. I can, I can do my little walk run for a mile, run to get to that, you know, halfway point between the two aid stations. Like, let's look at my watch, figure out what a, what the next mile and a quarter mile and a half would be. Get to that point, stop, walk again, then run to the aid station. Like I'd, I'd put some plans in place. I could do it every mile. You know, I get to the last lap and it's just every time my, my watch hits a mile marker, I walk for a 10th of a mile. I was, I had some, uh, some plans to adjust as needed. Thankfully I didn't need them. But that way I didn't have to try to make it up on the fly. I didn't have to just go, well, I'll just walk for a little bit. um, And then you end up just walking the whole way. It was like I had marks. I'll walk for X amount of time, get going again. So just a couple areas that as per usual, I, I went way in depth on. But when it comes to preparing for the worst for your races, prepare for the worst weather that could possibly happen based on the predictions. Prepare for a lot hillier course than whatever you, you think you, you're getting yourself into based on what the race has to say and what the pro, what the course profile is if you looked it up. Prepare for some logistical headaches somewhere. All right, hopefully not, but somewhere you're probably going to have them. Prepare for other runners doing things. Be a defensive, a defensive runner. A little bit, especially when you 're in a congested part of the race, and last but not least have some some preparations in place for if things f- start coming off the rails, what adjustments can you make to your race plan your race strategy to try to keep things on track as much as possible and get yourself to the finish line um, in the best the best scenario based on the scenario turning sideways if that makes sense so like I said, there's probably dozens of others from, from, uh, clothing situations to nutrition, hydration, like, like you could go in depth into a lot of these places, but as much as possible, I think my, my takeaway from my race a couple weeks ago. And the point of today is to say, if you can prepare as much as possible for the worst case scenario, that's going to do you better mentally on race day, whether or not the worst case scenario ever presents as opposed to. Hoping for the best, and then things not quite living up to that. Now you've got some some mental hurdles, some mental obstacles you have to go through. Which again, not for nothing. If you can avoid those, you're probably going to have a better day. So there you go. There's my 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 thoughts on preparing for the worst, and uh, then hopefully you get not the worst. But uh, what do you think? What did I miss? What did I get right? What did I get wrong? At DizRuns on Twitter. At Dizruns on Instagram. You can also send an email to Dizruns at gmail.com. And of course, you can head over to the show notes for today. Dizruns.com slash one zero zero one. That's an easy one to remember, I think. One thousand and one. Dizruns.com slash one zero zero one. Memes, GIFs, links, comment section, as per usual, all the things. Let me know again what I got right, what I got wrong, uh, or anything else that makes sense to uh, share with me or that even if, even if it doesn't make sense to me, if it makes sense to you to share it, I'd love to hear it on whatever method is best for you. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, once again, a little shout for, for uh, features, which not for nothing, were the socks that I had on originally, and then changed into after the third lap. I, I switched shoes, got some dry stuff going on. I also took the tape off, because that was starting to bother me a little bit, and I didn't need it anymore. But uh, all that to say, the feature socks did me well. You can get yourself a pair. Treat yourself. com slash features to uh, support the show at the same time. And, uh, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, thanks for listening, y'all. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you uh, got something from it. Uh, and until next time, be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, all Right? See you.